today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. I look at this and I think, I don't know what goes through the mind other than they're so hardened in their sin that even when all of these supernatural events are going on, this isn't just like, well, oh gosh, you know, I got in a fender bender, God must be telling me something, or hey, you know, I've got this thing happened to me, or this thing, God must be. No, these are supernatural, cataclysmic events that have been taking place all over the world, and man continues to stay hardened against God, keeps his heart away from God. Do you ever read the Bible and wonder how people can harden their hearts against God? Well, our consciences will actually get seared as we sin. One time will hurt us terribly. Then the pain of that sin will begin to subside as we do it more often. Soon, we don't even notice that we're doing it anymore. Pastor David wants us to be reaching out to people who are being hardened. We need to have compassion on them and continue to share. We can't count anyone out. Our job is to share, not to judge. Well, let's join Pastor David in the book of Revelation chapter 10 with today's edition of The Open Word. Most plays that you go to, there's an intermission time. You kind of go through about half of the play, maybe a little bit more than half, and then all of a sudden they break and have an intermission time. In a lot of musical scores, they will have a hiatus, a time where it just breaks and stops. A very powerful move, and then all of a sudden there might be a stop, a pause for a dramatic effect, and then move on. What we see right here in chapter 10, and we've seen a couple of these in the earlier passages of Revelation, in the earlier chapters, where there was a little pause, a little little stopping taking place. And we kind of see this here in chapter 10 and kind of the first part of chapter 11. We look and see, okay, we've, we've been going through the seals. We went through all of the seals. Now we go into the trumpets. We've made it through the six trumpets. There's one more trumpet to blast. But before we get there, there's this little stop, this little pause that suddenly there's some more information that needs to come into play. There's some further clarification that needs to be made. The players need to be put into place as we look at the balance of what's going to be taking place here. In Revelation. As we look at Revelation 10, once again, we're reminded of really the ominous words that were given at the very close of chapter 9. At the very close of chapter 9, we read in verse 20 But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands that they should not worship demons 
and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murderers or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. So after all that's taken place, the the seven seals of the scrolls that brought death, it brought disease, it brought pestilence, it brought destruction in so many ways. And after six of the seven trumpets, again, environmental disasters, atmospheric calamities, the plague of the locust that uh, stung like a scorpion and people wanted to die but they couldn't die, all of these things going on, man searching for death, as well as the attack of the 200 million man army that comes in and kills one-third of mankind, yet they did not repent. That's hard-heartedness. I don't know how much harder an individual can be than to have all of these things take place before their very eyes and say, no, no, I'm not going to repent. Now, some of you with children, every once in a while, children misbehave, right? Once in a while. I know some of you have perfect children that never misbehave. Okay, maybe none of you do. But you know that sometimes children get attitude, don't they? And we can threaten them. We can give them time out. We can take away privileges. For those of us who are still barbaric and old school, swat on the bottom, you know, those kind of... And sometimes that attitude of no, 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 I'm not going to do it. I'm going to tell a story on my brother real quick. Hey, Chuck, it's not me. Definitely not me. I was wiser than this. Uh, my older brother, we would both get in trouble, okay? And because we weren't perfect children. I know it's hard for you to imagine now, looking at me now, but we were not perfect children. And we would get in trouble, and my dad would spank us. Well, my brother, bless his heart, he wanted to be the tough guy. And so my dad would swat him, and he wouldn't cry. My dad would swat him again, and he wouldn't cry. And my dad would swat him again, and he still would not cry. And my dad would swat him. By now, we're talking child abuse, right? But this is old school, okay? So we were fine. We, all, we grew up fine. And so he was like, so he wanted to be the hard thing. You know what I learned from that? As soon as my dad says, get in your room, get on your bed, I knew it was coming. I started bawling, okay? <laughs> so, you know. Now, not necessarily because I was repentant, okay? But at least it lessened the punishment. I look at this and I think, I don't know what goes through the mind other than they're so hardened in their sin that even when all of these supernatural events are going on, this isn't just like, well, oh gosh, you know, I got an offender bender, God must be telling me something. Or, hey, you know, I've got this thing happened to me or this thing, God must be. No, these are supernatural events cataclysmic events that have been taking place all over the world, and man continues to stay hardened against God, keeps his heart away from God. And so they did not repent, and therefore the final woes are going to come about. This final wrath of God is going to be poured out upon them. But before that, we have this little interval this little intermission of sorts. And John continues writing in his vision. So here we see John writing now in in verse 10, he's actually writing from an earthly platform. You remember chapters ago, uh, we saw where they said, John, come on up here in chapter four. And we see that most everything from there, he was looking 
speaking from kind of a heavenly vision. But now here in chapter 10, we see that he must be sort of on the earth now because he sees this angel coming down from heaven. Listen to what it says in verse 1. I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head, and his face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. He had a little book open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land, and cried out with a loud voice as when a lion roars. And when he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. Now, before we go too far on this, let's kind of look at this. All angels have strength. You know, one angel taking down a thousand men, it's no big deal. All angels have strength. But apparently there are some with even mightier or greater strength. We see here in this first verse another mighty angel, but also back in chapter 5 when they brought the scroll out, it says in verse 2, then I saw a strong angel proclaim with a loud voice who is worthy to open the scroll. So suddenly there's some of these, you might call them super angels. Again, just the might and the power that they have. Some have reckoned these to be like Michael or Gabriel, two very powerful, mighty angels that we see in the Old Testament doing battle. Michael in particular seems to be a battle-strong warrior type of an angel. Who this is, there's some guesses on that, and we'll look at that in a moment. But here it is, another mighty angel, not the one from chapter 5, but now here is another mighty angel. A lot of speculation on this. Some say because, again, the description of his face like the sun, his feet like the pillars of fire, clothed with a cloud, a rainbow is on his head. Some say, well, that's Christ himself that's coming down. But I don't believe so, and we'll look at that a little bit further as we go. Others say, well, it could be Gabriel because Gabriel is in the presence of the Lord, and the cloud kind of represents, just as it does in many places throughout Scripture, being in the presence of the Lord. The fact is, is John doesn't name him, so I'm not worried about naming him, okay? Because it's all speculation. We do know he is a mighty angel. He's a strong, he's a powerful angel. And as I said, he comes clothed with a cloud, the very presence of God, I believe. This rainbow for a crown, where's the first place we see a rainbow? Right after the flood. And what did the rainbow represent? A covenant relationship that God made with humanity. Not because humanity deserved it, because we know that even right after the flood, man continued on in sin. But God made this covenant relationship. You see, and and I look at this with this crown of a rainbow on his head, whether it be a crown or whether it be a turban, however way that it looked, I believe that it again speaks to this covenantal relationship that God desires to make with man that he will preserve, he will keep. It says that his face is like the sun. Again, we see this kind of look, this kind of glowing. I know that um, uh, when Moses was in the presence of the Lord up on Mount Sinai, remember when he came down, his face was so bright that people couldn't even look at it. He had to wear a veil. I believe that this, again, even speaks of holiness. I believe it speaks of purity. I believe it speaks of splendor. All of these things 
toward this angel, this one that was sent from the Lord, his feet like fire. And yes, I know that earlier on in the description of Jesus in the early chapters of Revelation, it says that Jesus had those feet of fire. But again, the fire and the feet of fire just speaks of judgment speaks of judgment throughout the scripture. So we see all of these things. Now, in one place, and this is one of the things that I wanted to just kind of draw your attention to, back in Daniel, in the book of Daniel, chapter 12, we read these words in verse 7 through 13, close to the end. It says, Then I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river while he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it shall be a time and times and half a time. And when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things shall be finished. It's interesting, too. I want to finish this. Verse 8. And although I heard, I did not understand. And then I said, My Lord, what shall be the end of these things? In verse 9, he said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Many shall be purified, made white and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly. None of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days, about three and a half years. Blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. In other words, he perseveres through the end. But you, you go your way till the end, for you shall rest and will arise to your inheritance at the end of days. Well, I bring this to you because not only the message of the man clothed in linen was an angelic messenger, but also it fits even with what this angel is going to speak here to John when he says, seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered, do not write them. In the same way that Daniel wasn't able to write down what he saw, now here, for John, he's not able to write it down. We'll look at that in just a moment. This angel stands on the sea, and he stands on the land. Again, speaking of authority, speaking of control, he has authority and control over both. He speaks with a loud voice, as when a lion speaks, not the voice of a lion, but as when a lion speaks, with that same kind of commanding authority. When a lion roars, they say that you can hear it all through the jungle, all through the zoo, for our sakes, if we go up there. A lion roaring can just carry for a long, long place. So again, this power. And then as he speaks, when he cried out, it says seven thunders uttered their voices. Seven thunders uttering their voices. He says, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered and do not write them. Now, I believe that as John heard this, he saw this, he was writing all this stuff down. He was ready, he was prepared to write these things down. Why? Because that's what the Lord had told him to do. Remember in Revelation chapter 1, verse 19, write down these things, the things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things that will take place after this. But he's told to stop. And there's some things that the Lord does not reveal to us. I don't know about you, I'm glad that he doesn't reveal all things to us. When I was younger in the Lord, I used to think, Lord, I just pray, would you just unzip that curtain, 
between our physical life and that spiritual reality that's going on. I used to think I would really like to see that, but the more I grew in the Lord and the more I read his word, we'd be scared to death, I believe, if we saw what was on the other side and the fierce battles that are going on. You realize that there's a battle going on even right now tonight, as you're here studying the word, that there is a spiritual battle that's going on, not only to try and keep you from partaking of the word, but to keep that word from having any kind of effect within your life. So again, that spiritual battle, this thing here, these seven thunders, they voice out, but he says, John, don't write these things, seal these things up, do not write them. What if God did reveal all of his plans for you? What if suddenly, you know, the Lord just kind of threw out before you, this is what life is going to be from here on out? Some, Yeah, panic would be a good word. Because we wonder, well, it's probably not going to be all good, is it? I mean, most of us, we've lived our lives long enough to realize that not all of life is good. There's going to be some tough places. There's going to be some places, as, as one man you know, uh, just prophesied to me, he says, I see you going through, being pushed through the neck of a bottle. But once you get through, you know, there'll be release from that. And that kind of thing, when he gave that to him, I think, wow. And sure enough, in our life, we've seen that personally, just kind of how the pressure of life just kind of squeezes everything in. I think if we knew what tomorrow held in store for us, some of us wouldn't even get out of bed, would we? We would just kind of say, no, no, forget it. I'm staying here. I'm staying here. I'll let today pass. There's some things that God does that we don't need to know. We just need to trust. Amen? We just need to trust says in verse 5, the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that what? There should be delay no longer. But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God shall be finished as he declared to his servants, the prophets. He says he swore by the one who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things. So church, who did he swear by? By Christ. Christ, the one who lives forever and ever, who created all things. So that's one of the reasons why I look at this and I say, no, this isn't Christ, this is an angel here, sent for a special duty, for a special purpose. And while he's standing there with one foot in the ocean, one foot on the land, it says that he raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever, who's created all things, that you know what? There should be delay no longer. In other words, it's time to finish up all that God had started in this. It was time for the end to begin, to put it that way. The intermission is soon going to be over. 
the pleading of God for the repentance of man is going to come to an end. And that's what we're going to see here. Up until this point, we've stopped as we've paused a couple of places thus far in the study and said, you know, it seems that this is pause that God is giving for man to repent, for man to turn from his wicked ways, that there's always this opportunity, there is this testimony that goes out. Even when we put the words, as John put the words there in verse 9, that, and yet they did not repent, that sounds to me like there is an opportunity to repent, and yet man doesn't. There's an opportunity to get their life right with God, and yet man doesn't. So the pleading of God for man's repentance is now going to end. From this point on, we'll see there'll be no more chances. From this point on, as that final woe comes, as that final trumpet blast, and the bowls of God's wrath pours out on people, there's no turning back at this point in time. If they hadn't repented up to this point, there's not going to be an opportunity for repentance. Beloved, that is a horrible, horrible place to get to. And yet the hardness of man's heart has brought him to that point. He says here also that in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished. The mystery of God. Well, the mystery of God is really no mystery. The mystery of God is the message of the gospel, the message of the gospel of hope, particularly to the Gentiles. And over and over, Paul declares what that mystery is. He says that it's the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. He tells us that in Ephesians chapter 3. But then in Colossians 1, he says, this mystery of God to the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, the very mystery that though God had called Israel, he still has salvation and redemption available for the Gentiles. In Colossians chapter 4, he says, the mystery of Christ, for which I'm also still in chains. Why was Paul in chains? Because he continued to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, and basically it pretty well ticked the Jews off. And so they did everything that they could to get him arrested. And so Paul says, I'm in chains because of the mystery of the gospel. The Old Testament time frame, God spoke through the law and the prophets. That's what Hebrews tells us. Again, he was calling Israel to himself. But in the New Testament, Hebrews tells us that in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the worlds. That's the gospel. That's the mystery he declared to his servants, the prophets. He also declared through Christ. So in verse 8, then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, go and take that little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. So I went to the angel and said to him, give me the little book. And he said to me, take and eat it, and it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey to your mouth. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. And he said to me, you must prophesy again 
about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. We've come to the end of our time together for today. But if you're not ready to be done yet, you can find additional messages from The Open Word. Pastor David is here to share how you can continue listening. Hey, thanks, Chris. We love getting the Word of God out to as many people as possible. All the teachings you hear on The Open Word have been preserved on our website. You're welcome to access them. Visit theopenword.com to listen to or download the messages God has supplied from His Word. That website again is theopenword.com or you can search for The Open Word Podcast on iTunes and subscribe for free. I'd like to encourage you to take these messages with you on the go. You never know when you'll have a moment of peace in your day. So why not fill it with God's Word? I hope you continue to study the Bible and that it continues to bless you and fill you with His joy. Thanks, Pastor David. We're so glad these resources are available to us whenever we want them. The book of Revelation is so often shrouded in mystery with its outlandish pictures of winged creatures by the throne of God and roaming the earth. As we continue to study, though, we'll be able to discern how these pictures all point to the one spotless lamb who conquered all through laying down his life. If you'd like to know more about Jesus, the lamb, give us a call at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. We'd love to share the greatest story with you, the one where God came down to earth to join in a relationship with us. That's all for today, but join us next time right here on The Open Word.